Praise the Lord. We're going to get into the Word of God today. And as I often say, the Word of God is so important in our lives to understand the Word of God. You know, Paul writes that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened to God's Word, of course. Because when you become enlightened, in other words, you receive revelation of the Word of God, you move to another level in spirituality. And of course, we've been talking the past few weeks about church powerful. And so you move to another level in flowing with the things of the Spirit. And one of them, of course, is the power of God operating in you and through you. You see, the church is meant to operate in that power. This is why Jesus told his disciples not to do anything until they received power from on high. And they were waiting on God. At Pentecost, the Spirit of God came upon them. And from there on, they became empowered to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. This time and season, to be a powerful witness for Jesus is so important in this world where so many people are caught in the fear and the anxiety of, of COVID-19 and I don't know, uh, all the different strains and whatever is happening all over the world. People are in the grips of, of anxiety and depression and all kinds of things. And this is a time for the church to rise in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we're doing this series, because we, I have felt particularly to empower our people so that you can, the Spirit of God can use you to make an impact with the love and the power of Christ that is in you. Amen. And uh, the past couple of weeks, I've been dealing with what hinders the power of God from flowing in us and flowing out of us, making an impact uh, in people. Last week, we began um, to talk about the third hindrance, which is spiritual ignorance. And I, I went at length on that. And I'm going to speak to you about one last thing uh, which, uh, concerning spiritual ignorance. One last thing uh, about that today. And this thing is, is that the Bible clearly says that when we are spiritually ignorant, our hearts are darkened. Now, very few Christians and believers know this scripture because we don't spend time studying the word. But it's clear in the word, and I'm going to read it to you from the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And Paul is writing and he's talking about the Jewish people, the Israeli who were at the time before the church was born. They were the people of God. And he says, although they knew God, they knew that God existed, they knew God, and they had seen so many miracles and they had experienced so many things. They knew God. They neither glorified him or gave him glory. They never glorified him as God. Nor gave thanks to him. Wow. You know, taking God for granted sometimes can happen in our lives as believers. Then it says this. Instead, their thoughts turn to worthless things. In other words, they move their thoughts away from being focused on the Lord to things of the world. Worthless things. And their 
Now watch this. And their ignorant hearts were darkened. Their ignorant hearts were darkened. So when we are ignorant of the things of the Spirit, our hearts can be darkened. And if our hearts are darkened spiritually, we will have no spiritual power. It's very important for us to get that truth. Amen. In other words, we have no direction. When your heart is darkened towards spiritual things, you don't have direction. Spiritual direction that comes from heaven. You can't have that. Your heart is darkened. Our spiritual eyes cannot see because there is no spiritual light. Now, the contrast, remember we're talking of spiritual ignorance, which is ignorance of the word of God. Truly, that's what it is. The contrast is found in Psalm 119. In other words, when you're enlightened to the word of God, this is what it says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. So what does the word of God do for you? Spiritual ignorance causes our eyes to be darkened, our understanding to be darkened, but the Word lights up our paths. So when the Word of God dwells richly in our hearts, we have spiritual direction and spiritual strategy to overcome the enemy, to overcome all his wiles, all his all his plans, all his deceptions, etc., etc. And that's power indeed. You see, you can't come against the enemy in your own power because the flesh cannot deal with the spirit. You've got to deal with the enemy in the spirit. So we've got to become powerful in the spirit in order to deal with the world of darkness. Amen. So we can't remain spiritually ignorant. We cannot afford to remain ignorant of God's word if we are to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So spiritual ignorance is the third major area that keeps the power of God from operating in and through our lives. And this morning I want to encourage you to make time to study the word of God. I can't emphasize this more, more than this. Make time to study the Word of God each day and begin to release the power that's contained in the Word of God, the life that's contained in the Word of God. As you do that, you release that into your life so that you in turn can release that power in and through you. Amen? Begin to release the powerful spiritual life flow that God intends for His church. Amen? So this concludes the first three hindrances, unbelief, sin and carnality, and spiritual ignorance. Now, today I'm going to pick up on the next one, number four, that prevents the power of God from being manifest in the church. And that I've called this religiosity, or the practice of religion. Amen. Religiosity in the church is very widespread, very common. The reason is because religiosity brings with it an atmosphere that seems spiritual and people gravitate towards this. It seems so spiritual and therefore it fits church very much. And so people find it easy to connect with that. 
It creates what can be perceived as spiritual, but in fact, it's not spiritual at all. Now, some of the most obvious practices of religiosity can be found in things like lighting candles and incense, silence in church, repetitive rituals and chanting, style of church buildings, the way the church should look, and much, much more. And, and, and we do know that in, certainly in our ministry, we, we don't practice most of these things, but it's rife out there. But religiosity can be much more subtle than this. And that's where it can affect churches like ours and, and other churches that don't do these other things. But let's not be fooled. It doesn't mean that religiosity has not taken root in some people who frequent other type of churches. Amen? And this is really the dangerous part of it because it's subtle and it's not obvious and therefore becomes more acceptable to well-meaning Christians. The interesting part about religiosity in the church is, is that what has become now a religious practice could well have become as a really well-meant for a real purpose type of practice prompted by the Holy Spirit at some stage. But it begins to take its place in the domain of religiosity when that practice is continued just because that's the way we do things. In other words, it moves from a move of the Spirit for a time and a season, and it becomes a tradition in the church. It becomes a way of doing things that we don't want to move away from because we're comfortable with it. And when a church practice is no longer serving its original purpose. It can become part of a religious practice or practicing something that looks very holy and very spiritual, but it is devoid of meaning. It's devoid of meaning. It's lost its original meaning. Now, why is religiosity such a problem? It be, it's because it creates a form of spirituality, but is devoid of spiritual power. Now, Paul speaks about this in the book of Timothy. He's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he warns him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. And this is what he says to him. And he's talking to his son, and he's talking about, about people who have a form of godliness but denying the power of it. Amen? And he says to Timothy, from these people, run away. Turn away from them. Don't fellowship with them. Because that religious spirit can actually, in a sense, connect. You can connect with it. So he says to Timothy, don't fellowship with these people. Run away from them. Remember that Jesus labeled the religious leaders of his day as hypocrites. And he severely reprim reprimanded them. Severely. He called them blind leaders of a blind. Religious practices have no place in the church of a living God. The, the church of a living God is led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God falls afresh on us every day. 
You know, the Spirit of God can move us in this direction, this direction, because at the end of the day, it is His will that comes to pass. It's the will of God that matters. Not a tradition, not something that we do because it's a great idea. No, that's religion. We want to flow with a fresh move of the Spirit of God. So Jesus attacked that spirit big time in, in his day. He called the leaders of the Jewish people of the time the blind who lead the blind. You see, the reason is because they projected spirituality in the form of empty religious practices devoid of spiritual power. What did Jesus do? He came in there like a flood, man, and he healed everybody. He set people free. He, he cast demons out right there in public. He, he did the most amazing miracles. He raised the dead. Why? He wanted to break that religious spirit that is devoid of power. He wanted to demonstrate that God is a powerful God. And you can't have God without power. Then you've got religion. You've got religiosity. It's got no power whatsoever. It's devoid of a reality of who our God is. If our God is a powerful God, then his church has to be powerful as well because we're following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the power that God intends the church to have and the church to carry stems out of relationship with him and the real application of his word and not out of religious Practices. You know, I come out of a very, very big religious denomination. And I mean, these people, you know, when you look from an outside, as an outsider, if you've never had any spiritual encounters, you would think, man, this is the place to be. They chant, they walk in a specific way, they can't keep their heads on the side like this, they talk in funny ways, they, 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 they offer incense and it all smells good and there's candles everywhere, it looks romantic. Man, you're not going to impress God with your rom romantic candles. Can you say amen to that? You impress God when you flow in the anointing because the anointing is what destroys the yoke of bondage and the church is meant to become the powerful church that God intended it to be because the powers of darkness have to be destroyed. That's what Jesus came to do, to destroy the works of the evil one and we continue in his footsteps wherever we are, whatever opportunity we have. But the power needs to flow and religion won't do that for you. Religiosity is a deception. It is a fake replica of real spirituality. And therefore, like all fakes, it's not the real thing. There's a difference between religion and true spirituality. True spirituality brings results. What results? The results that God intended the church to bring. Religion has no results. It just brings lights and candles and, and fanfare and pomp and ceremony. But it's got no power. The people who come into there and come out of there are not changed. There's no transformation. There's no freedom from sickness and disease. And we can go on and on. So religion creates and produces a powerless and spiritually empty church. Do not be fooled by the atmosphere that's created by the religious people. 
Don't be fooled. The real test as to whether a church is flowing in the anointing is the, is, is the fruit that they produce. Amen. Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know them. Are, they produce, are these people producing the same fruit as Jesus? Are they? Are they healing the sick? Are they raising the dead? Are they casting out devils? What are they doing? Are they healing the lepers, setting them free? Or are they just playing church on a Sunday? If you want the power of God to be manifest in your life, mean business with God. Don't, go, don't settle for religion. And let me tell you, even if you're in a charismatic church or an independent church, a spirit of religion can get hold of your heart and you'll be satisfied with warming a pew on a Sunday, but Monday to, to the next Sunday, you, you won't feel the courage, the confidence. People sick around you, you leave them in their sickness. But that's not what Jesus would have done, would he? He would have touched them. He would have said, God, use me. You will, you will come across people who are in depression. What are you doing to touch them? I know many ministers who won't pray for the sick. They're scared. Terrible. These are leaders of a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today, get rid of empty, meaningless religiosity and get real with the Lord. I don't want religion in my life. I've had enough of it. I grew up in it. It stinks. It's useless. I'd rather go serve the world than serve religion. No, there's no power. That's useless. I want to see the power of God work through me and in me and through me. I want to see people set free. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover just like Jesus did. I want to raise the dead when the Lord tells me to do so. Amen. So that's number four, religiosity that will hinder the power of God from flowing through in you and through you. Number five that causes the church to become spiritually powerless is spiritual compromise. Spiritual compromise. That's a little bit of the world and a little bit of Jesus. We like the world. Of course, the flesh likes the world. We like all the money. We like all the glamour. So we got a foot in the world, but a foot in the kingdom of God. You can't have that. The Bible says the world is at enmity with God. So you can't have the left foot in the world, the right foot in the kingdom of God. You've got to get our priorities. We have to get our priorities right. I want to say this. The days of compromise in the church is over. In the end time church, which is what I believe we are living in, God will no longer tolerate the spirit of compromise. There will come a time where God will no longer do that. Jesus says in Matthew 25 that God will separate the sheep from the goats when he comes back from in his glory. Matthew 25, verses 32 to 34, then verse 41 and 46. I just want to read this to you. Verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all the nations. That's on the second coming of Christ. And he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You see, sheep are followers. Goats, oh, I've got their own mind. I know, I used to play with goats as a kid. I love playing with goats. Why? Because they're challenging. 
but sheep are boring in a sense, you know. They just do whatever you want them to do. But goats will give you a hard time. Amen. So Bible says God will separate the sheep, those who follow him, from the goats, those who give him a hard time. <laughs> Amen. And indeed, he will set the sheep off of his right, but the goats off the left hand. The sheep on his right, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those in his, on his right, that's the sheep, Come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come, blessed. Those are the people who do not compromise God, his ways, his will, and his word. Then I skip to verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, Go away from me, cursed ones, into the everlasting fire, having been prepared for the devil and his angels. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. The sheep are those who truly follow Jesus and obey his word wholeheartedly. I need to say something here in case you don't get what I'm talking about. It's your heart that matters to God. Amen. God is not saying we have to be perfect right now. He's busy perfecting us. So we do have faults and we do have all kinds of things. As long as our hearts are set on God. But you see what? When you are in a compromising type of mode in your life, your heart is, you've got a divided heart. One foot in the kingdom of the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. Your heart is divided. And that's what God is dealing with. He says, I don't want a divided heart. I want one that is focused on me. I'm not looking for you to be perfect tomorrow, but as long as your heart is focused on me. That's what God is looking for. And that is what satisfies God in our lives. Amen? He's not, he's not saying you've got to be perfect in everything. No. So the goats in this parable that Jesus spoke about are those who compromise or add a little bit of God to their lives when it suits them. And there are many people like this in the, in the church. Compromise is generally a sign of a lack of love or passion for God himself and his precepts. If you're not passionate about God, you are likely to have a divided heart. This is a very important thing I just said. We've got to get passionate for God. And the things of God. Amen. And God will not release his power in someone who does not really love him. But is using him for their own purposes. Very often people use God. They don't actually love God. They use God because they want to get blessed. So the spirit of compromise is rife in the church. Because people hope that it will be okay with God. If they have some of the glamour that the world has to offer. As well as a bit of God. You see, God is not after removing from you all the pleasures that you can get, as long as it's not pleasures that are against his word. He wants you to have abundance of life. But he doesn't want your heart to be divided. Amen? Not a compromising heart. A heart that is focused on the Lord. God will bless. 
physically, emotionally, materially, spiritually, interpersonally, financially, all these blessings God will release on your life as long as you don't compromise in your heart. Very, very important to understand that. God does not mind us having a full and abundant life, provided that this full and abundant life does not have our heart. This is so important for us to get. Once the love of this world has got our heart, we are in a danger of allowing a spirit of, of compromise to begin to occupy the place that the Holy Spirit is meant to occupy. Let me tell you, it's easy to fall into the world. You know why? Because your flesh is still with you. It's very easy to backslide. It's very easy to fall in love with some things of the world. But to remain focused on the Lord, even when the blessing comes in abundance, requires a focus on spiritual matters. A decision, a choice. I will not compromise God in my life. I will not compromise his word. It's a decision, it's a choice we've got to make. Compromise will cause true godliness to begin to fade from us. If you compromise God and his word for long enough in your life, you will become less and less hot towards God, if I can put it like this. Because the flesh naturally gravitates towards these things. Yes, we may present a very godly appearance, but we will have divided hearts. And when that happens, the power of God will simply lift from our lives. God will not use a compromising Christian and release his power in and through them. The modern church is rife with it. And is devoid of the manifest power of God. Why? Because of a spirit of compromise that has come into the church. Sometimes I'm horrified. And it's not just when I'm talking of a church. Some, some people may think we're talking of, a con of congregations or believers. Let me tell you, I'm talking also of leaders, pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles who compromise God's word. And God will allow it for a time because of his grace. But there will come a time when that person's ministry will be powerless. I'm going to stop here today. And next week I'm going to answer this one question. How do we compromise? And I'm going to show you areas of compromise that are rife in the church. And you will understand what I'm talking about. And I'm going to answer that question next.